You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is October 30th, the day before Halloween, and Atlanta United season is unexpectedly over. Uh, the five stripes were beaten by Toronto 2-1 to here on Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the finals of the Eastern Conference playoffs in MLS. A goal from Julian Gressel in the fourth minute was offset by two long-range strikes from Toronto, one by Nicolas Benizet in the 14th minute, Another by Nick DeLeon in the 78th minute. Uh, both were fantastic goals uh, that were born from a couple of small Atlanta United mistakes. Uh, but that is the difference in winning and losing in the MLS playoffs. And Toronto took advantage of its opportunities. It will now go to Seattle, which will be the surprising host of the MLS Cup here, uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday at beautiful CenturyLink Field. It's going to be a KG affair. I think it's likely going to be a much duller game than if Atlanta United and LAFC were playing. But Seattle and Toronto had the smarter, better, better executed game plans, and they advanced. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And as I have been for quite some time, I'm joined by Jason Longshore, a drained Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.net. Yeah, you don't think about it being the end. And my thing when you get to the, the postseason is I don't look ahead either. Um, didn't plan anything out. Didn't plan anything out for what could be the, the cup final. I mean, up until last night, didn't even think about are you traveling or what. So when it comes the way it did tonight in a match that – Atlanta was the better team. Atlanta did enough to win. But they could not find the goals that were needed to do it. And Toronto did. Toronto was efficient, uh, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, very much so. They they managed the game pretty well. They did give up a good bit. They, they gave up a lot of shots. Quentin Westberg was big in the moments he needed to be. Made a couple of big saves, of course, on a penalty, which we'll get to. But Toronto was better in the key moments. Overall, I think Atlanta was the better team. But not good enough. The goals dried up on a night that they couldn't. Yeah, just uh, to illustrate uh, why Atlanta United was statistically the better team, uh, 18 shots to Toronto's four, but only five on target to Toronto's four. Atlanta United won 
uh, 11 more duels, uh, dominated possession, created oh, three times as many chances. Um, but it came down to probably three key plays in the game. The first was, or there's four key plays. Two are intertwined. The first was Pitti Martinez uh, being tackled from behind uh, by Michael Bradley, whose left arm grabbed Pitti Martinez's right shoulder. Uh, it was should have been considered a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. It should have been a red card to Bradley and a penalty kick. Instead, it was a yellow card to Bradley. Uh, Joseph Martinez playing with a hamstring injury he sustained on Monday. Uh, missed the penalty. Okay, I have two questions, and and we didn't hear a whole lot of the the post match press conference. Um, was there a quote or was there a question to the referee crew about the penalty decision and the red card decision? No, uh, okay. I'm I'm the pool reporter, and frankly, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about questions to ask okay. after no. the end of the game. No, I'm, I'm it would have made a difference now. Of course, uh, Par- but Parkhurst did say that uh, referee Alan Kelly, who has a history with these two teams, said the foul was on the lower body, not the upper body. Okay, now I'm completely confused because I didn't think the foul was on the lower body. I, I wasn't sure it was Dogzo because I thought another defender was right there. And, and I'm okay if that's the interpretation. Dogzo is denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay if that's the interpretation and there's another defender who can make a play. If the interpretation is that it was not ruled as dogzo because the foul was a play on the ball, which would be lower body, which is with, with the feet trying to play the ball, correct, and that's not a red card dogzo situation, but I don't think that's where the foul was. The foul no, was upper body. The foul was, you can see it on the video, the foul was clearly upper body. Bradley had absolutely zero chance of getting that ball. It's not a heavy foul. It's not a, a malicious foul. It's not a nasty foul. It's contact, and Pitti Martinez feels the contact, and he goes down and gets the penalty. I don't think I've ever seen in today's soccer that play called in which it was either – it's usually either a penalty – or a red card and a penalty. I cannot remember a yellow card and a penalty. The yellow card and the penalty is strange. Um, I do think another defender was too close for it to be dog so. I didn't feel like it was dog so live or on the replays because of the other defender. Nothing to do with where the foul occurred. If that's the explanation, then I have more of a problem with it. I will probably circle back with uh, PRO tomorrow and try to get an explanation from... Uh, Alan Kelly threw them as to what the call exactly was. But Atlanta United looked really, really sharp in those first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the penalty was missed. Uh, the, the attack was in the eighth minute. The penalty was in the 11th minute. It's a good save. Uh, it was it's a good not save. a it great save. It's a good save. Yeah, I mean. The, it's not a horrible penalty. It, it wasn't a, a rifled shot from Joseph like no. he typically does on penalties. And then three minutes later, uh, Lawrence Simone. Uh, who Frank DeBoer said the players knew likes to hit the long passes. Mm-hmm. Nobody pressured him. It's a long diagonal to Benize. Uh Again, this is another scouting report thing. Uh, Frank said the players knew Benize is right-footed, but Gressel allowed Julian Gressel allowed Benize to go to his right, and he curls a shot around Gressel, around Escobar, 
into the lower right corner of Brad Guzan's goal. It was a fantastic shot. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't shot. know of a goalkeeper in the world that could have stopped that shot. I don't know if Brad could even see the ball until it was almost on top of him yeah. because of the angles. Uh, but the issues again were not pressuring Simone and then allowing Benize to go to his right. These are the margins with which playoff games are won and lost. It was a, a big addition that for Toronto they probably would have liked to have had earlier in the season. I, I think you might have been a higher seed if that had happened. Um, Benize showed his quality on that goal. I mean, that's an outstanding finish. That those are the those are the ones that win you titles. So that Atlanta United kept creating chances, but they weren't really. I don't think you could say great chances. Um, Toronto defended well. Yeah, a lot of the shots were tight angle type of things. Um, and then uh, around the seventy seventh minute, Darlington Nagby was fouled uh, on Toronto's end of the field. Oh. Atlanta United's players switched off and, and started complaining or, or wondering why there wasn't a foul called. The ball comes down. Nick DeLeon uh, is coming down the middle. Julian Gressel catches up to him, forces him to turn to his left, but DeLeon keeps turning and ends up going in a circle. At that point, no Atlanta United players step back to him. They all are kind of sitting there Everyone waiting on runners or watching him. And he took a shot, and he hit it right into the upper left corner. A, fan, a fantastic shot. Mm-hmm. Again, unpressured. Buried it. And De Leon had done that in his rookie year with D.C. United. Scored a big goal to advance D.C. and eliminate the Red Bulls in the playoffs that time. And he does it again here. Um, the, the whole thing is a, a wild sequence. Uh, finally getting a chance to see the replay because we didn't see it in live action. I don't know if it was shown on the broadcast. Justin Morrow goes over the ball with his left leg. It's a foul. And, and the AR is right there and should have a pretty good angle. Now, we didn't get that angle. The angle that we're seeing is from the opposite side of the AR. But Alan Kelly's in a pretty good position to get a good look at it as well. There's no foul, and Nagby is down on the field. That did play into it because that's an element on the shot where De Leon takes that shot from that you would have Darlington, Nagby, and Jeff Lorenowitz if you're able to defend in a normal setup. It felt like they were switched on to initially recover and force De Leon to loop back, and they switched off when he looped. And when he turns and has the space to hit that shot, does he hit that shot every time he has that? No. He's not a guy who scored a ton of goals in his career. He's not a guy who's known for that. But you can't give anybody that opportunity this time of year, and you were punished. Uh, Nagby was hit in the groin area, if you know what I mean, on that play. Um, I was just looking at the stat sheet while Jason was giving his quality analysis, as always. Atlanta United took 11 shots inside the penalty box. Mm-hmm. 11. Toronto took one. Yeah. Uh, but, again, Toronto advances two to one. What do you What do you make of this season? I think it's hard to consider it anything other than a good one. Um, where you want to put it is going to be up to where you rate the U.S. Open Cup, where you rate the Campione's Cup, where you rate the, the third-place finish overall in, in league play. Um, and also where you rate the challenges that the team faced this season because they were, there were a lot of them. I mean, just the amount of games, first off. You played 
four more matches than Toronto did in 2019, and it'll be three when all said and done. You played upwards of eight, nine more matches than most teams in the league, and that showed at points in the season. Um, the Philadelphia game stands out to me at yeah. Philadelphia, yep. where you had played 15 games in the same time span that Philadelphia played 10, and, and it, it showed in the second half. You had those moments. You had a new manager who had a, a different way of, of looking at the game, and there's a lot of similarities that I still believe in the way that Tata Martino has a philosophy about the game and Frank DeBoer, but I think they actually get there in different directions. Yeah, I agree with that. And that was a learning curve. I think the team had some moments that they played the best soccer this club's ever seen, and I think they had some moments where it looked completely disjointed, which is, again, to be somewhat expected. I think it was a very good year, um, but I think the way you went out, if you had told me in the summer that you lose in the conference final, but you win the Open Cup and you win the Campeones Cup, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with it if you had told me that yesterday, before Seattle beat LAFC, and before that opportunity opened up to host MLS Cup. And I would have probably been happy with it even if you told me that this morning before you see how the game plays out and you see that Atlanta has the, has the game, has the control of the game that they always crave, and has the chances to win the match. And they could not get that second goal that has been so critical for this team ever since they, they opened up. They've only lost one game at home where they scored two or more goals. You couldn't get the second goal. You had a penalty to do it. You had other opportunities to do it. And you have two moments where, as, as DeBoer said, you know, this, it wasn't a surprise that Laurent Simon likes to hit the long ball. It wasn't a surprise that Benazay is going to try to set up and cut inside to his right foot. It wasn't a surprise that you need to step out to a player in that moment when Nick DeLeon has his opportunity for glory. And you, you, didn't, you weren't good enough in those moments. That's what's disappointing about it. Yeah, I, I uh, just going back to the game real quick. It, to me, Atlanta United felt a little subdued. There didn't seem to be a fervency in the play that we've seen, and some of that has to do with Toronto. I don't think they moved the ball quite quickly enough. We, First we, half, I we saw that agree. Um, so at some points this season, particularly early in the season, they just they weren't cycling very well, and I was a little surprised around the 60th minute or so that Frank didn't make some sort of change to something to try to make Toronto make some decisions because it become kind of a rinse-repeat type of a thing. We had a lot of questions um, about changes and, and subs specifically. I think a lot of people were... The, the sub, I don't know who I would have taken that's out. That's the exact same thing I was um, but I, I probably, There wasn't an obvious one. I probably would have tried just some sort of tweak to the formation. I, I, I tweeted out... Maybe push Pitti up beside Joseph, push Nagby up a little bit higher, give Toronto's defenders something else to think about because it become pretty easy, pretty obvious that Toronto was comfortable, and I think Toronto was comfort was uh, aided by the fact they knew Joseph was not a hundred percent. You you could kind of see it out on the field. It you, wasn't the same Joseph. We didn't know, and I, I had no idea that there was an injury issue, but you knew that. 
it didn't look like the Joseph Martinez that you fear in this league. Right. And, and missing the penalty, and sometimes even without anything else, it's a moment like that that gets in your head and, yeah. and you see it. And then for all we knew at the time, it could have just been that until we heard afterwards that there was an injury issue. And injuries like that, I think, I think Frank made a pretty good point about how it's something that you don't have 100% trust of your body at that point. Yeah. And you're thinking about it. And it did feel like Joseph was, was ponderous at times and snatching at chances other times. He didn't look in sync. Right. But going back to my original question, my answer is I think Atlanta United has to consider this a successful season. Yeah. Um, you win two trophies. Uh, you know, the Campionis Cup, it, it was only a one-game thing, so it probably doesn't have the weight that advancing all the way through the U.S. Open Cup does, even though that probably doesn't have the prestige of beating a Club America. But it is two trophies. You finished with the third most points in Major League Soccer, despite selling arguably your best and most important player in the offseason, despite a new coach, despite a roster that we were told was deeper than ever before at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, still some issues, but uh, some players stepped in when they had to. Some players I thought were underutilized a little bit. Um, and all the injuries, overcoming all the injuries that this team had to overcome. They still got two trophies, still finished third in the MLS, had them been able to make it to the MLS Cup, had they won MLS Cup, for those reasons, I think they would have to be considered among the best teams in MLS history. But now it doesn't matter because I, I, of the few moments tonight. I, I do think that when there's some distance from this, there's a very small club that Atlanta United is now part of. They won three trophies in two, two seasons. And if you count conference trophies, four. Yeah, and, and I'm, I don't know I'm counts, not though, in that regard. It's a trophy. <laughs> and, and I am counting Campione's Cup because there really hasn't been, outside of D.C. United winning the uh, Inter-American Cup in 1998, there hasn't been another trophy like that that an MLS team has won. So I'm, I'm counting that. So three trophies in two years. Your only other clubs that have been in that conversation are the first four years of D.C. United when Supporter Shield was a 10-team race and your postseason eight teams got in and it was all kinds of different. But they won two trophies every year from 96 to 99. L.A. Galaxy 2001 and 2002 did a Supporter Shield MLS Cup and Open Cup. They did a double in 02. They won the Supporter Shield in 01. And Toronto in 2017, where they won three trophies in one year. And I know you don't care about the Canadian Championship, but it was one of them. And they did win that in 16 and 18 as well. So they, they won four in two years, if you want yes, to Yes, I don't care about the Canadian well, Championship. If we're going to count Campione's Cup, we have to. Yeah, so, that's fair. But that's it. That's it. That's the only teams that have won three trophies in, in a two-year span. So in time, I think that will be recognized as a greater accomplishment right now and probably for this offseason. It's going to feel like, yeah, that's nice, but you had the chance to host a match to win number four, and you didn't take it. Yep. And that's still going to be the, the footnote to the season. All right. I have posted a story about Joseph Martinez's hamstring, about the red card, uh, the player ratings. I'll have some more stuff uh, coming up in the weekend. I believe we'll have some season-ending interviews next week with various 
Atlanta United players who are in town. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. This team, uh, the roster could look very, very different next season. A lot will depend upon the CBA negotiations. A lot will depend upon how much Darren and Carlos want to pay some guys. Uh, there are guys who have options on contracts coming up. DeAndre Gonzalez-Perez, Julian Gressel, uh, Flo Pogba, some others who they may want to re-sign, whose contracts I think are over. Um, and then some choices they're going to have to make with some designated players. Uh, Joseph Martinez will be here. You don't know what's going to happen with Barco because it depends on who's put in for him. You don't know what's going to happen with Pitti. Uh, he, you know, it was a up and down year. I thought he saved his best for last this season. I thought he was very, very good in the last two games that he appeared. The last three of the last, the three get three of the last five that Atlanta had played in which he appeared. Um, it was an up and down year, and, and I, frankly, I am looking forward to seeing if he shows the development in a second season that Barco showed this season compared to his first season. But it's going to be an interesting offseason. Yeah, I think Pitti comes from a different place than Barco was at the end of last season for sure. I mean, Pitti, in his final six games he played, he averaged over three chances created in all of them and, and led the team in chances created, I think, in every one of them. Um Played really well at the end of the season. I think Pitti's a player at times maybe has a little bit too much confidence and will try stuff that even he, who has an ability and a, a skill level that I, I, there's just not many that do, that even he's going to pull off one out of every ten, which is something most players would be pulling off one out of every thousand, and sometimes go for something a little simpler and connect a little bit more. And I think he did a pretty good job of finding that balance as the year went on. And I thought he was really good early on tonight. I don't think he was bad throughout the match at all, but I think he was no, no, really no. good early. Yeah, I thought he was really good early, and then I thought we started to see a little more of the early season, mid-season pity uh, in terms of just the lose the ball and really not make an effort to he get it back. He started to get closed down more, too, um, like quickly, because Toronto had to key on him. And, and frankly, that's something that he, he's got to fix. In, or, you know, it's going to be... Frank's going to have decisions he's got to make. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's not the important talking point for him right now. Um, Jason, what do you have upcoming? Uh, overreaction <laughs> Thursday. Should be lots of fun tomorrow morning on Soccer Down Here. Uh, we'll talk about all of the reactions from tonight. Um, people who have, have tweeted at us starting tonight. People who will sleep on it and, and give us their thoughts in the morning. It's always an interesting show when we get to kind of pick the brain of, of the fan base. And uh, please go check out the full-time report from 92.9 The Game when that gets posted. You can actually listen to it on the Radio.com app just by rewinding back to it now. Uh, we tried to encapsulate everything from the season and from the match, and, and we took a bunch of questions. And I just had to thank everyone uh, who, one, allows Mike and I to do what we do, but also all of the listeners because that's been what I'll always remember about this season is how many new listeners started joining us for games whether they would sync it up with the TV or or listen on the app or, or listen in their car or listen when they're traveling or, or race out of here to listen to the full-time report so many new names of people reaching out and asking questions and 
and spreading the word about what we do that I feel like this club has really grown a lot and it's only going to continue to grow more. That was well said, Jason. Two Toronto players are walking by on the field down below, finally going to their bus, (laughs) I guess, after celebrating in the locker room. Um, I also want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast uh, this season. I'm sure I'll have some more before next season. There's some key dates to consider December 9th. Atlanta United will learn its Champions League draw the first two rounds, assuming it advances past the first round. Um, free agency is upcoming. Uh, Atlanta United, I don't know if it's going to announce its roster move. Some clubs do, some clubs don't. They don't have to right. for a little bit. We'll see. There's an expansion draft in December. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll have uh, what looks to be a, a subdued MLS draft in January. Actually, expansion draft sooner than that. It's about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but a subdued MLS draft yes. in January. Um, and then training camp should open in mid-January, assuming that there is a CBA that has been agreed to mm-hmm. uh, with the Champions League starting in mid-February. So it doesn't stop. Um, and there will likely be lots of player news. Lots of things that I hope you'll follow my coverage of in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you for reading. Thank you for clicking. Thank you for asking questions. Uh, I do appreciate those who give me crap on Twitter. And there are quite a few of you tonight simply because I said if Atlanta United wins. I didn't say when, but I said if. They could be considered one of the greatest teams in MLS history. And people seem to not have read the if. And didn't appreciate me saying that it's going to be a dull MLS Cup. It is. I mean... These two teams have yet to play an exciting MLS Cup. That's just the facts. I, they both won with defense yeah. in these two games. It's I, just the facts. I'm, it's not I'm an insult. You. It's the facts. I, but anyway. I hope <laughs> that the quality of the home team in this MLS Cup, because I, I think Seattle with, with Raul Rudias, who's an amazing player. Yeah, who very much so. Gets lost in the shuffle of, of the Velas and Zlatans and Josephs in, in this league. Ruidiaz is capable and spectacular, as you saw against LAFC. I think Nico Ladero has been just a great player in this league. Seattle has the ability to do more. I hope they do. I hope they deliver a, a big performance for their fans. I think Toronto is going to have to go in and do what they did tonight. They're going to have to go in and defend. They're going to have to sit back. They're going to have to soak up pressure, and they're going to have to find the moments where they can take advantage of mistakes. And they have the players to do it. They also maybe possibly get Josie Altidore healthy for that. They do have some time now. And I'm Morgan Gonzalez. Yes. Um, yep. So anyway, follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Atlanta United season ends with a 2-1 loss to Toronto here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the finals of the Eastern Conference playoffs. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.